Well, if you have your Bible with you this evening, please turn with me to Psalm 18. Psalm 18. Some of you may be thinking that Psalm 18 has been a marathon psalm, and in some ways you're right. It's very rich, and there will be more. (laughs) Psalm 18. Our focus text this evening is verses 25 through 30. 25 through 30. Join me as we ask for the Lord's blessing. Our gracious God and Heavenly Father, we pray that you would now bless us by your word as we consider it. O Holy Spirit, work in and through it in our hearts. Uh, To the glory of Christ, we pray. May we see more of him. May we understand your truth. May we understand your call and commands. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Well, Psalm 18, beginning in verse 25, hear now the holy, the inspired, the inerrant and infallible word of God written for you and for me today. With the merciful, you will show yourself merciful. With a blameless man, you will show yourself blameless. With the pure, you will show yourself pure. And with the devious, You will show yourself shrewd, and you will save the humble people, but will bring down haughty looks. For you will light my lamp. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. For by you I can run against a troop. By my God I can leap over a wall. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. Amen. Thus far the reading of God's holy word, and may he add his blessing to the reading of it to us. Well, congregation of the Lord, the living God is the divine protector of his people. This has been one of David's big messages in this psalm. He is the great deliverer of his people, who is also the great judge and defender who delivers his people through the unfurling and the execution of his wrath in judgment against his and our enemies. He is the one who gives us thorough support and bountiful reward. These are the clear pieces that David has put together thus far in this song, and there are many more to come. In this wonderful support, God not only delivers us out of our troubles in due time, but he supports us and bears us up under our troubles in the meantime. And as much as we see and know his support, As much as we understand God to be a great rewarder of obedience, we're wise to see not only how these things described God's relationship with David, but also how they point us to the Father's relationship with David's greater son, Jesus, and his righteousness. 
Indeed, as Scripture instructs us, out of great love, the Father sent Jesus from heaven. Jesus came and fulfilled all righteousness. He became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. He suffered, He died, and He rose out of the depths of the grave, never to die again. We are justified, we are declared righteous by God, by faith in Christ. His righteousness is ours when we believe upon the Lord Jesus by faith. And now as we are in Christ, we are co-seated with him in the heavenly places, praise the Lord. We are co-heirs with Christ of his inheritance. Amen. We join the hosts of heaven saying, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. We see this in Revelation 5, verse 12. And as David goes on in tonight's text, he speaks of the rules of God's government along with God's comfort. Let's consider his words regarding the merciful and pure Savior in verses 25 through 27. The God that lights our lamps in verse 28. And the strong, perfect, and proven God and his word in verses 29 and 30. So as he begins in verse 25, he begins by talking about mercy, doesn't he? With the merciful, you will show yourself merciful. With a blameless man, you will show yourself blameless. Beloved, see how David not only begins to speak about the rules of God's government here, he not only speaks to what God expects of us, but also to what we can expect from God. See that. And David begins with mercy. The truth is that he lays out here, it should remind us of Christ's words about mercy in the Beatitudes in Matthew 5, verse 7. Blessed are the merciful, for why? They shall obtain mercy. My friends, those who show mercy will receive mercy. This is the clear message. David says similar words in Psalm 62, verse 12. Also to you, O Lord, belongs mercy, for you render to each one according to his work. We see this similar message. He blesses the merciful with mercy. A clear message here is seeing God's covenant faithfulness with his people. Notice that. And further, God will reward our obedience to that which he calls and equips us to do. Remember God's words of judgment to those who dealt hypocritically and wickedly in Numbers 14. You can turn with me there if you'd like. Numbers 14, verse 34. Notice as we read this verse that God gave them the same measure of the fruit of their actions. In verse 34, we read, According to the number of the days in which you spied out the land, 40 days, 
For each day you shall bear your guilt one year, namely forty years, and you shall know my rejection. These are God's words. The same measure of the fruit of their actions was given to them. Regarding mercy, God's people are called to be those who show mercy to others, who who don't treat them as they deserve, knowing two things, notice. One, that they only do so because the God of mercy who works in them to do so is present and active in that. And secondly, that we are those who have received abundant mercy from God himself in and through Christ. God has not treated us as we deserve, and we praise and we thank him for that. We thank him for his mercies. We've seen the grand pictures here of his wrath in this psalm, among others. We know the power and the might and the anger and the wrath of the living God, and we are thankful for his mercy. We are thankful for our salvation. We joy in that. We praise the God who has sent us Christ, that we would not be damned, but that we would live and have joy and a familial relationship with him. But David also speaks in verse 25 in Psalm 18 of God's blessing towards a blameless man, notice, those that are faithful to their covenant with God shall find him faithful and upright in all that he has promised to be. Now, in saying this, we need to be mindful that the opposite isn't true. When God's people aren't blameless and break God's law and covenant, when we are covenantally unfaithful, that doesn't translate to God in return being covenantly unfaithful himself or being sinful. He cannot be so. When we are covenantally unfaithful and sinful, our God remains faithful and just. The same truth regarding mercy is active in the relationship God has with the blameless and the upright, notice. Wherever God finds an upright man, he will be found an upright God to them. In 1 Kings chapter 8, beginning in verse 31, we read this. When anyone sins against his neighbor and is forced to take an oath, and comes and takes an oath before your altar in this temple, then hear in heaven and act and judge your servants, condemning the wicked, bringing his way on his head, and justifying the righteous by giving him according to his righteousness. This goes right in line and sync with the truth that we just considered a couple of weeks ago, isn't it? As David reflected and talked about his uprightness and righteousness, really pointing to the righteousness of Christ, pointing to David's uprightness in regards to the charges that were levied against him by Saul and his enemies that he was innocent of. But we see here this request, this plea, 
here in heaven, act, judge your servants, condemn the wicked, bring his way on his head, justifying the righteous by giving him according to his righteousness. God is the sovereign judge, the holy judge, the righteous judge, who judges all things right and thoroughly and well. And here the plea is also not only to declare him righteous in your sight, but also to reward his obedience. In verse 26 of Psalm 18, David goes on to speak more about other people or people that have more attributes that are godly. He says, with the pure, you will show yourself pure. And with the devious, you will show yourself shrewd. Now, beloved, on the one hand, those who serve the Lord with a pure conscience know God himself to be pure, as is revealed and is spiritually discerned in his word. Right? As those who are the called people of God, as, who, as those who are the redeemed, those who have been regenerated, those who have been saved and, and by the work of the Spirit in our hearts, have our understanding enlightened and open to the truth of God and the revelation of who He is and what is true of Him. As we understand that He has made us pure in Christ, as, as we see God for who He is, we see Him to be pure. Our eyes are open to see Him as He is. To understand these things. And so on the one hand, as that is true, on the other hand, those that resist God and walk against him will find that he will resist and be against them. God promises this, in fact, in Leviticus 28, beginning in verse 21, when he says, Then, if you walk contrary to me and are not willing to obey me, I will bring on you seven times more plagues according to your sins. I will also send wild beasts among you, which shall rob you of your children, destroy your livestock, and make you few in number, and your highways shall be desolate. And notice verse 23 and 24. And if by these things you are not reformed by me, but walk contrary to me, then I also will walk contrary to you, and I will punish you yet seven times for your sins. Those who show themselves to be against the living God, he shows himself to be against them in very clear ways in judgment. But David goes on in verse 27 of Psalm 18, to give some reasons for why he has just said what he said. Look at verse 27. For you will save the humble people, but will bring down haughty looks. This is one of the truths of Scripture, beloved, that we need to take in and meditate on and have sit deeply in our hearts and has good fruit in our lives as a result among all of the wonderful and many other things that the Lord teaches us. This is the sum of the glorious truths here in verses 25 and 26. 
It's the glorious truth and the sum of it in God's work for his people and his being against the wicked. Christ in his mercy, in his faithfulness and purity, delivers and saves his people. And he also brings the proud to ruin. Never forget James 4.6. Memorize it just as you do this passage today. I commend it to you. James 4, 6. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. In Psalm 113, beginning in verse 7, we also read these important words. He raises the poor out of the dust and, and lifts the needy out of the ash heap. And why? that he may seat him with princes. With the princes of his people, he grants the barren woman a home like a joyful mother of children. Praise the Lord. Here is the Lord's work, his merciful and faithful work. He brings people out of the depths and the darkness into wonderful places, Places and stations in life and statuses where he will receive glory for that which he has done. That which they didn't have. By his will and mercy, they are granted. And they praise him. This is really a witness of Christ. Jesus calls his people to abide in him and to be covenantly faithful to him. And, and we must be faithful to Christ. Let us not be haughty. Let us not be prideful and arrogant and not have that haughty look. We all know what that looks like, don't we? Kids, you know what this looks like to look with a prideful look an arrogant look, like you're all that in a bag of chips. But let us not be haughty, but rather walk humbly before our God, for in due time God will exalt you. David sings of another wonderful work that the Lord would do, and he does so in verse 28. Notice that these verses are all beginning... For you will. For you will. He said in verse 27, For you will save the humble, what will bring down the haughty look. Here he says, For you will light my lamp. The Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. Whereas in verse 27, he spoke more generally and broadly to people. Here he brings it home and speaks of what he knows God would do for him. Consider the contrast of this merciful lamplighter and his actions, and enlightening David's darkness, and consider the contrast of that to Job 18, verses 5 and 6. The light of the wicked goes out indeed, and the flame of his fire does not shine 
The light is dark in his tent, and his lamp beside him is put out. We know the distinction, we know the work and the contrast and and what happens with light and darkness. We know that this theme is well-seated and flourishes and is very pointed in regards to the work of the Lord in and amongst his people. But see here that those, though these things are true of the wicked in Job 18, though that light indeed goes out, though the flame of the fire doesn't shine, though the light is dark in his tent and the lamp beside him is, is put out, yet in his mercy and faithfulness, God's favor would shine and return to David and return David to the light. For David was where, he says? He was in dark despair. And yet God would divinely dispel David's darkness. He would divinely dispel David's darkness. And David trusted in this and rejoiced. He he knew because of his right and growing relationship with the Lord his God. That the Lord would support him and help him and do this in him. And God wouldn't just light a lamp for David to carry in his hand. Even a lamp that would be bright and maybe brighter even than others that he knew. But rather, God's light and the joy of his salvation would make David's darkness disappear. He would bring lasting comfort to his sorrow. And further, God would set and use David as a lamp and a beacon in dark places to be a witness and a testimony of his grace. That is another important piece of that lit lamp. And God mercifully doing that. Consider Psalm 37 Verses 5 and 6. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. He shall bring forth your righteousness as the light, and your justice as the noonday. Consistent and faithful is our God. Consistent and faithful is he to those who commit their ways to him and trust in him. Is this true of you tonight, beloved? Is your way committed to the Lord? Are you trusting in him? Is your prayer like David's, that your lamp would be lit? God's word, indeed, is a lamp and a light. It was for David. It is for us as well. Psalm 119, verses 105, well-known verse, hear it again. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Step by step, our path is illuminated by the light of Christ and his word. John Calvin said this, and I think it's quite helpful. He says, let us regard it as certain 
that we will never have the comfort of seeing our adversaries brought to an end unless God disperse the darkness which envelops us and restore us to the light of joy. Let it not, however, be distressing to us to walk through darkness. Think the valley of the shadow in that statement. Provided God is pleased to perform to us the office of a lamp. God's word is a lamp to our feet. It is a light to our path. It is the very word of God, for he is the light that that word illuminates and he uses to illuminate our hearts and our paths. And so, in the joy of the Lord, notice that David goes on to consider his strength in the Lord, even the paces of a warrior. Look at verses 29 and 30. He says, For by you I can run against a troop. By my God I can leap over a wall. The picture here is that of war. David attributed his victory in the field and the destruction of his enemy's cities to God and his strength. By his God, he could do such things. He could blast through a troop of soldiers in a camp and defeat them. He could jump over walls, take them. Indeed, those were the types of victories that David experienced and he praises God for. He proclaims these things to the Lord. But then David praises God for his way, his word, and his protection. Notice that in verse 30. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust in him. So if you see this this flow and this pattern here, David is not only reflecting on the work of God for him as his servant, he's not only talking about and reflecting on and proclaiming what is true for for people more in general, but here now he goes and focuses on the Lord himself and what is true of him. Again, that this would invigor and instill more praise within us as it did within his own heart. As David speaks of God's way, he points to the counsel and providence of God always being wise and just. It's perfect in every way. Moses ascribed this truth in his song in Deuteronomy 32, beginning in verse 3, when he said, For I proclaim the name of the Lord, ascribe greatness to our God. He is the rock. His work is perfect. For all his ways are justice, a God of truth, and without injustice, righteous and upright is he. This is our God. This is his way. In Revelation 15, verse 3, they sing the song of Moses, we read there, the servant of God and the song of the Lamb, saying, Great and marvelous are your works, Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of the saints. 
This is the praise and the worship that is given in that verse. When David says, the word of the Lord is proven, he really points us to the inerrancy of Scripture. The Bible is tried and true. As if it had been proven in a furnace. It is certain and approved by God himself. In Psalm 12, verse 6, we read this, The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times, purified in perfection, completion. Psalm 119, beginning in verse 137, Righteous are you, O Lord, and upright are your judgments. Your testimonies which you have commanded are righteous and very faithful. My zeal has consumed me because of my enemies, because my enemies have forgotten your words. And notice verse 40 or 140. Your word is very pure, therefore your servant loves it. Hmm. If we would consider not only the doctrine of inerrancy more broadly, but the doctrine of inerrancy specifically, in in these types of ways, the the purity of the Word, the, the truth of the Word, the reliability of the Word, the fact that the Word is inerrant, it's without error, it is infallible, it is incapable of erring. If we would see the purity of the Word, And that being the reason that we love it. Because of the the work of the Spirit within us to do so, to to see it and to, to praise God and to glory in that because we see His Word for what it is. It is wonderful and glorious. It is pure and perfect and true. Proverbs 30, verses 5 and 6, every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. Do not add to his words, lest what? Lest he rebuke you, and you be found a liar. Indeed, may those who try to alter and change and revise and change the word of God hear these things. Do not add to his words. He will rebuke you, and you will be found a liar. In 1 Peter 2, verse 2, the Apostle Peter called the truth of the Scripture the pure milk of the Word. The pure milk of the Word. Beloved, what did you hear over and over again in these passages? The Word is pure. The Word is pure. The word is very pure. It has no blemish, no error, nor can it err. And so we can rest assured that God will show himself upright toward us because of his promises, especially what he has promised to be as our protector, and his promises are certain and infallible truth. And so as you consider this passage tonight, see your merciful and faithful and pure Savior who calls you to be merciful 
and faithful and pure as you are in him. As he promises blessing for obedience, we should be all the more zealous to be mindful of his commands for right Christian living. Especially those in this context regarding one another. How we treat one another. This goes nicely with our morning sermon. Honesty and integrity being foundational pieces of our walk and interaction with others. But also see your merciful Savior, who indeed lights your lamp, who dispels your darkness, who illuminates your steps as you walk in his light, and who sets you as a beacon for his testimony and witness within the church, but also to the world. You cannot light your own lamp. If you tried, it would go out, just like the wicked who have no light. But he lights your lamp, and the wonderful thing is, in his light, it always stays lit. It never goes out because he is the light. But also see your pure Savior who leads you in his perfect way with his pure and proven word. The one who protects you as he is that all-surrounding shield that we've seen David time and again explain and, and call our attention to. He will never lead you in the wrong way, beloved, but his way is the perfect way. His way is the way you need to follow. It is through the narrow gate. It is not the wide way that many are traveling and that is more of the uh, non-lonely way in some regards. But we are never lonely as we are with the Lord and with his people, and it is a joy to walk in his way, as he is the way. May these things resound in your hearts and in your minds this week, I pray. Praise God for his word. Let's pray together. Our gracious God and heavenly Father, we thank you for these very truths. We thank you for your mercy and your faithfulness. We thank you for how pure and righteous and holy you are. We thank you for that which you have called and made us to be. We pray that you would continue to work in us what is right and good, in accordance with your will and what is well-pleasing to you. May we praise you like David. May we pray to you, proclaim your truth about who you are and all that you have done, that we would give you glory and that we would seek to walk rightly in accordance with these truths, with true joy and comfort in our hearts. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.